This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. The setting is this, our Lord Jesus had been in a mountain and he'd taken just three of his nine, three of his 12 disciples, Peter, James, and John, he'd taken them up into the mountain with him and he began to radiate an effulgent radiation, a glow, and show his divine nature to, his, to, to, to those three disciples. And we call that his transfiguration. And so he's up in the mountain and at the base of the mountain are nine other disciples waiting for Peter Uh, waiting for Jesus, Peter, James, and John to come down. And while they're waiting at the base of the mountain, these nine disciples, a man with a boy came to him, and the boy had been taken over or possessed, you might say, by a demon or an evil spirit. But you got to picture this boy. Excuse me, Mark describes him, Mark 9, verse 17. And here Christ had come down from the mountain. He's addressing Jesus. But this is what the boy was like in Mark 9, 17. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by an evil spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and he became, becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. And I see this kid in my eyes. It's, it, you know, I, I see the eyes. Uh, I'll bet you could see the demon in the boy's eyes. And he foams at the mouth. I mean, you got to picture this kid. I mean, demon eyes, saliva foaming at the mouth. And he's looking at you. And he gnashes his teeth. And I would think he's growling. And so this father brings his son, this boy, to Jesus' disciples, the nine who didn't go up the mountain with him, because in Mark, and they, they had previously driven out demons. In Mark, um, Mark chapter 6, and this is verse 7, the word of God says, calling the 12 to him, he sent them out two by two, and look at, he gave them authority over evil spirits. And so Jesus' disciples are talking to this young man, or rather they're, they're, they're addressing the demon in the young man, and they're commanding this demon to come out of him, come out you evil spirit, 50 times, 100 times. I don't know how many times it did it, but the demon doesn't leave. Mark 9, verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, that's Jesus, when Jesus and Peter, James, and John came to the other disciples, the nine who were down there, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. So the teachers of the law, if you have a King James, it's scribes, were arguing with these nine disciples. And, and here's what I think is going on. They didn't want this crowd of people to believe that Jesus was the Savior. And so they're saying to the crowds, see, look, these disciples can't drive this demon out. They're just phony. They're just, they're, you don't believe in this Jesus. 
He's not the Messiah. And the disciples are saying, yes, we can. Just give us a little time. Leave this boy, you demon, out. Be gone. We have authority over you. In the name of Jesus, be gone. And nothing happens. And so the teachers of the law say, see, they can't do this. And they look at the crowd and they say, don't believe in this, Jesus. Look at his disciples making fools out of themselves. And at that moment, guess who shows up? At that moment, look at Mark 9, 15. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder. And the Greek is simply one word, amazed. I'll read it like that. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were amazed and they ran to greet him. And what were they amazed at? And this is the big deal here. They were amazed at this, that he showed up exactly at that time when the disciples were being derided for not being able to drive out that demon. And people today would say, what a coincidence. And Jesus said, I heard your voices. What were you guys arguing about? Well, let me read it to you. Verse 16, what are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it sees him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive them out, but they could not. And Jesus said, oh, unbelieving generation. When he said that, he's talking about these scribes who are harassing the disciples. He's talking about the disciples who are trying to do this in their own strength. And he's talking about the crowd of people there who don't believe. So he says, oh, unbelieving generation. How long, shall I, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So he's going to do something about this demon, okay? So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, I, I love this. It immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground. I mean, if you can see this in your mind's eye, he rolled around, rolled around, foaming at the mouth, okay? And then Jesus said, verse 21, he asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And I believe he said that tenderly. He said it with a lot of compassion, now, 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 now you got to listen to this response. From childhood, the dad answered. It's often throwing him into the fire, throwing him into the water to kill him. Now, look at this. But if you can do anything about it, take pity on us and help us. And look at Jesus' response in verse 23. If I can, said Jesus. Now, look at these words. Everything, everything is possible for him who believes. Folks, digest that. Understand what God's word just said. There are no limits in what God can do. And then the man sees him. The man, I believe, comes to tears. Look at verse 24. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And what that man was saying is, I have faith for heaven. That's what he was saying. I believe you're my savior, but that's where it stops. I don't believe you can heal my... See, I believe you're my Savior, but, but the, 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 that's where the dead end of faith comes in. I, I don't believe you can heal my kid. I don't believe you can do that. And I know I should believe that, so help me overcome that unbelief. That's what he's saying. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene... He rebuked the evil spirit. He rebuked the evil spirit. He said, you deaf and mute spirit. He said, I command you, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And this time the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. Can you see this? They're looking at this kid. He's dead. Now look at this. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. How do you think the crowd 
felt about that, man. I can just hear the oohs and the ahs and all that stuff, see? In verse 28, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive this spirit out? And then Jesus told him why. He said, this kind, he said, this kind of demon can come out only by prayer. And what he's telling us is there are different kinds of demons. Some are stronger than others. Some are more fierce. Some are more stubborn. Some are more gruesome. And this was a really stubborn, gruesome demon. And these disciples are saying, out you devil and the devil's left. You guys are a joke. I'm not coming out of you. And Jesus is saying, you guys need to stop what you were doing and just stop in your tracks and beseech heaven in prayer. You needed to quit doing it. And here's the key. You needed to quit doing it in your own strength and ask for my father's strength. And I read that and I said to myself, man, that is me too. I just related to this word of God so much. God in the person of Jesus Christ came down from the mountain and he showed up at just the right time. You got to know this. The first reason God gave us his word, the first reason is to reveal himself. He wants us to know him. Every time I read the scriptures, I seriously, I do this. I ask myself, what does this say? What does this book say about you, Lord? What does it say about you? What does it say about God? What does it say about the character of God? When you um, study the scriptures, and I, folks, you should do more than just read the scriptures. You should, you should study those, those things. You, you should go into scripture with the intent of learning it. And when you go into God's word, the first question you should ask yourself is, what does it say about you, Father? What does it say about your son? What does it say about the Holy Spirit? You should go into that book to discover God. Teach me about you. I mean, this is so important. This is worth memorizing. I read this in John Phillips' commentary on the Psalms. Listen, this is so good. John Phillips wrote, God wants to reveal himself in his word because, now commit this to memory, because the more we know about God, the better we handle life. When you go into this Bible, say, God, reveal yourself to me. That's the first thing you should be looking for. Because the more you know about God, about the character of God, the better you're going to handle life. And then the second question we should ask is, what does this say about my life? How do you want me to live, Lord? But he, we, we turn it upside down. We say, what does this say about me? We, we approach the Bible almost selfishly. What does it say about me? How do you want me to live? Now, what does it say about you, God? Because the more you know God, the better you're going to handle life. And so I ask, what does this tell me about God? And this story in God's word tells me that Jesus is God. He did what those nine disciples couldn't do, man. I see these teachers of the law, you know, in other words, scribes trying to discredit Jesus. Look at these disciples of his. They're a lot of smoke. They're helpless. They can't drive out this demon. Don't put your trust in Jesus. And at that moment, and that's what first struck me, at just that moment, this pattering back and forth, no, you can't. Yes, we can. No, you can't. God shows up and he settled the issue. Drove out this stubborn, entrenched, gruesome demon. Let all people know I am who I claim to be. I am the son of the father, one you call God. I have authority over demons. Trust in me. That's the message he sent. See, God shows up just the right time. And, and when I look at the character of God, I keep telling people, go back to Psalm 139. Read Psalm 139 once a month at least. And I've quoted this before, Psalm 139, verse 17. This is a dear passage to me. Because you wonder, does God know where you are? Does God ever think about you with all the people in the world to think about? I look at Psalm 139, verse 17. It says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, how, how many are they? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And that's the Holy Spirit's way of saying he's always thinking about you and me. Verse 2, Psalm 139. You know when I sit down. And you know when I stand up or when I rise up. Verse 7, where can I flee in the sense of hide? Where can I flee from your spirit? Where can I hide from your presence? 
Here's something else too. God knows if your need is immediate. And he also knows if he needs to take a little longer in meeting that need and take you through something and learn some stuff that he wants to teach you. See, what I'm saying is he knows the right time. If he's got to teach you something, it's going to take a little longer. But he also knows if your need is a meat. I remember when I got cancer, I didn't know how bad the cancer in me was. I found out about five or six months later after they did all the biopsies and reviewed all the tests and everything, I had more cancer in me than I ever knew. But I remember when I got the cancer, when I heard about it, I remember thinking, okay, what's the next step? And that's when I got a phone call. I got a phone call from a lady who had gone through it before, and she had gone through it without any chemotherapy or without any radiation. And she said, why don't you start here and take all this chemotherapy? Why don't you start here? Why don't you take this natural mineral solution? It's a natural product. And she said, it's worked in Mexico. It's worked in other countries. It, it, it kills abnormal cells in your body. And, you know, it would have been so easy to go with typical means of treating cancer. But I got that phone call. And she said, why don't you just start with this? And I did. And that was God. I mean, that was God. I said, don't you see what I'm saying? It, 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 God showed up at just the right time. The need was immediate. God was immediate. He moved somebody to make the right phone call at just the right time. And you got to write your own story here. That's happened to you, that God showed up in your life at just the right time. He was always there. Now, that's the point. He was always there. But there comes a time when he manifests himself and he becomes very, very real. And we put it like this. God showed up exactly at the right time. You know, how many times I've heard this story. I needed this much and a check came in the mail for just what I needed. Hear that all the time. You're out of work or you're going through something. Do you believe God cares about you? Do you believe his thoughts towards you are as many, as many as the grains of sand on the sea? Do you believe he knows when you get up, when you sit down? Do you believe Psalm 139, 7, you cannot flee from his presence? He is always there. He knows you perfectly and he cares about you. He knows just when to show up, if I can use that term. You're never out of his love. You're never out of his providence. You're never out of his control. And what blows me away is this, and this is why I say, the more you know about God, the better you handle life. With all the people in the world, God knows me. You know, that's what really, really stretches my mind. With all the people in the world, he knows me, and, and he deals with me and my little problems as if they were the only problem on earth that he had to deal with. And when he comes, it's just at the right time. How does he do it? I don't know. I just know it's here in this word. And ladies and gentlemen, I stand in awe of that. That stretches my mind about God. Do you trust him? Seriously. Have you rested your hope of salvation on him? And if you have rested your hope of salvation, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm not saying everybody here is, but if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you're still dealing with this thing, whatever it is, I got to tell you something, man, his time is coming. The right time, it's coming. Or this Bible is a farce. Jesus comes down from this mountain where he was transfigured. And then this dad brings Jesus, his boy, and the boy is standing right there in front of him with the look of hell in his eyes, frothing at the mouth. The demon that possessed him had supernatural strength, and maybe this kid was going to jump at you and just kind of rip you to shreds and eat your flesh. And the dad said, Mark 9, 18, I asked your disciples to drive out this evil spirit, and they couldn't. And if you can, if you can do anything about it, then please take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said in verse 22, remember what he said, if I can, if I can, and immediately when he said that, if I can, Lord, help us if you can. 
And Jesus stands there and says, if I can, I can picture this dad, man. He, he understood what he just said wrong. It's like you put your foot in your mouth. And how many times I've done that? I put my foot in my mouth and then I try and explain why I said what I said. And all I do is dig the hole a little deeper, you know, it just gets deeper and deeper. Well, this dad didn't do that. He didn't dig the hole deeper. He admitted, I do believe. I really do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And folks, I find myself there a whole lot. And I think you do too. Because when Jesus said, if I can... I mean, everything is possible for those who believe. He was challenging this guy to think, what do you really believe about me? If I can? I mean, that's why these words convicted me. I mean, what do I really believe about Jesus Christ? I, I just, I'm going to read this one more time. What I really believe about him. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often throwing him into the fire water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can or if I can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Now, 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 here's what this guy was. He believed he's where a lot of us are. He believed Jesus was the Messiah. Or we can say it this way in our language. He was a true believer. He was a Christian, and he believed that Jesus Christ was his Savior. And I'm not going to diminish that faith. That's the faith that we must have to enter into heaven. We've got to have that faith that Jesus lived perfectly. And then he died innocently for our sins. And, and, and if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, there is a line. There's an imaginary line. Here you have no faith. You're lost. And you cross that line into the realm of eternal life. And now you have faith. And now you're saved when you place your faith in Jesus Christ. But some people cross that line and that's where their faith stops. And they trust, they get across that line, and they trust him as Savior, but that's it. There's no victory. They worry a lot. You really worry, and you have no business worrying. And here's the deal, and this is me too. We have faith for salvation, but not faith that God can do anything. We have faith for salvation. You're going to heaven, but not faith that God can do anything. And that makes us defeated Christians. And you know what? We send the wrong message as defeated Christians to believers and unbelievers alike. We send the message that the God we believe in is limited. Now, other people pick up on that mighty quick. Now, I'll just give you a very example. We, we right now have a very um, liberal administration and office in Washington. And a bunch of people who believe that Jesus Christ is their Savior and that they're going to heaven, they talk like there's no hope. They watch the news and they say, oh, come Lord Jesus. The Bible tells us you're coming again. Oh, Lord, come quickly. As if God had no other option but to come again. That's his only option. God's out of options. Only way things are going to change is you come again, Lord, destroy all evil, and take us home. See? And when people talk about what they see on the news, and they say, oh, come soon, Lord Jesus. Folks, that should irritate you as a Christian. Because when you say, oh, Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus, what you're saying is, you're saying is, God, you're out of options. Because God has already determined the day he's going to come again. And all your, oh, come, Lord Jesus, don't amount to that proverbial hill of beans. And see, we're saying God is out of options. And, and you know, we, we limit God, and Jesus said in verse 23, everything is possible for him who believes in me as Savior. Everything is possible. God is never out of options. So quit saying, come soon, Lord Jesus. That makes you a really gloomy, defeated Christian. 
Don't you love the prophet Jeremiah? Well, maybe you don't because not a whole lot of people read Jeremiah. But I just love this. The, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1. There's 52 chapters in the book of Jeremiah. Now, you've got to understand who Jeremiah is. Jeremiah, chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anatoth in the territory of Benjamin. And so who was Jeremiah? He was the son of a priest. And so you have to know that this guy was a very spiritual man. He knew all the Jewish history, how God delivered the Jews from Egypt and bondage in Egypt, how he parted the waters of the Red Sea. He knew how God drove out all the pagan lands out of the land of Canaan, out of the pagan tribes, and gave it to the Jews. He knew all the stories of David. And so God calls this very spiritual man, this very godly man, this son of a priest. And he calls him and he says in verse four, the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah writes saying, before I ever, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet over the nations. Now look what Jeremiah says in verse six. And here is a spiritual man, the son of a priest who knew all the history of Israel, all the great wonders of God. He says, ah, sovereign Lord, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. And look what God says. And this is righteous irritation. Verse 7. But the Lord said to me, don't you say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Don't be afraid of them, for I'm with you. And I'm going to rescue you, declares the Lord. Go to 17. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, say to them whatever I command you. Don't be terrified by them, for I'm going to terrify you before them. Today I've made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, the people of the land. Now listen to this, verse 19. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. That's God. God's word. Whatever intimidates you, ah, sovereign Lord, I can't handle this. I'm only a child. That's nonsense. Oh, this is too big for God. Look at verse 19. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. So Jesus asked his dad, this demon-possessed boy, what do you really believe about me? Does God have all power? Can I really do anything? People, do you put limits on God? Everything is possible for him who believes. Everything is possible for him. Everything is possible for him who believes. God would never, ever, ever move you to something that he wants to accomplish through you and not give you what you need. Never. I mean, is God dumb? Come on. He would never lead you into something and say, okay, go for it, baby, and leave you on your own. Come on. He's going to equip you for everything you need. God's moving you. So be, look, folks, be willing to take some risks. And here's the question you never ask. If God's leading you, here's the question you never ask. What's it going to cost? Me, my time, my energy, my effort, my life, money. What's it? You, you don't ask that question. You just go that direction and memorize Mark 9.23. Everything is possible for him who believes. Jesus uses every circumstance to teach his disciples. He does that for every one of you. I got to tell you, folks, this is an important part of this word of God, that every, everything that happens in your life is a teaching circumstance for Jesus Christ, for the Lord to teach you something. So Jesus and his disciples go indoors and they ask him, Lord, why couldn't we drive this demon out? And here's the answer in Mark 9.29. He says, this kind can only come out by prayer. And the emphasis on this, this kind of demon can only come out by prayer. Jesus is saying there's weaker demons and there's stronger demons, stronger devils. They are ranked 
and given assignments by their superiors in the demonic world. And there's ranks of good angels too. And you got to remember, Jesus gave his disciples authority over demons. And they're commanding this devil to lead this man. But this was a stronger, or you might say a higher ranking demon. See, they had never encountered a strong or higher ranking demon like this before. This one had more power. This one resisted. This one said, no way I'm going to leave. No way I'm going to let these fools drive me out. Uh, it's going to take more than out you demon. This is war. And he entrenched himself. And so Jesus says, now listen, he says, what he's saying is this. He says, at this point, guys, you should have just let it go and given it up. And you should have just come before heaven's throne and said, Father God, this isn't working. He said, this kind of demon comes out only by prayer. You go before the Father's throne and say, Father, I'm trying everything in my own human strength. And this thing isn't working. And right now, what we need is this. We need your help. We need your wisdom. We need all that you have to give us. And again, man, I just applied so much of this to myself because I'll go on and on and on and on and on and on, working in my flesh, trying to do it in my own strength. And what I really need to do, and this is what Jesus Christ is saying, he says, guys, you need to just stop what you're doing, just drop it, forget it, and just come before me and say, Father, give me your wisdom. You admit you, I mean, you pray seriously, man. You admit your own weakness. You pray from your heart, Father, I don't know what to do. I'm helpless. Today, we've seen that God shows up at the right time. We've seen that we can have faith for salvation and not trust Jesus for other stuff going on right now. And we heard him say, everything is possible for him who believes. We saw Jesus tell his family of disciples, there comes a time when you put the brakes on and admit I'm helpless without you. And I pray these words have been a blessing to you folks. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.